qualifications from understanding fatherhood. And the other, the other part of, of my message is the disclaimer that says that we are going to look today at what the scripture says about the effect of a godly father. And don't get the impression that I have done all this stuff. You can just ask my wife or my four sons and you'll find out that I have not. Uh, I'm not telling you today that I've got it all together or had it all together. Uh, I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And I pray that all of us are getting closer and closer to the Scripture, what the Scripture says. Um, that's the disclaimer. So... What we're going to do is to, we're going to re, uh, try to recognize the contribution that an earthly father makes toward their offspring. And we pray that that's a positive contribution. And a key part of this is to see the correlation between the earthly father and our heavenly father. At the end of the day, uh, that's what this is about. That's what fatherhood is about. Uh, is that correlation. And so we're, let's examine the role and the function of fathers as we look at the Scripture and see what God says about this. Now, there's so many verses I could have read today, but I chose Ephesians 6, uh, just four verses. And, and if you would stand while we read these four verses, um, recognizing the sacredness of the Scriptures, Children, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, by the way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You can be seated. Sort of covers the whole gamut just about there. Fathers and family. Fathers and family. Proverbs says, and this is for all of us, listen to your father. And you say, well, my father's in heaven. I bet you hear, you hear voices. I bet you hear him saying things sometimes. When you're about to do something, especially if you're about to do something you know you shouldn't be doing, I guarantee you, no matter where your dad is, you hear him saying, as I used to tell my boys, remember what your last name is. And you go out that door. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. I I would add to that when she's young too, but I didn't write the scripture. But honor your father and your mother. And, And fathers... Um, well, let me just tell it to you this way. The word father in the scripture uh, is a word that means to be a producer of a certain thing. It means a generator or one who causes something to be. Sometimes the word that's translated father, especially in the Hebrew, by the way, those of you who know anything, and a lot of people do, you have the, we have the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, which is the, 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 the most popular concordance with uh, Greek words and definitions, and it has a numbering system. 
The Father in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance is number one. First word. Uh, it, it, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's ab 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 awb, but it also sometimes can be translated as an architect or a builder or a creator of something. And if you think about it, far beyond a biological contribution, fathers are creating something if we're doing it right. Being a godly father in raising a family and directing a family. God gave us the family so that it would be possible for us to think of him. I said the correlation. God gives us the family so we can learn how to relate to him. So that all who have a father can have some basis for being able to think of God the Father. Now I know, you don't have to tell me, that many people under the sound of my voice had a father that did not communicate accurately God, uh, Father God to their children. And I know some people have lived and grew up with an abusive father. I get that. I'm, I'm glad I didn't. I lived the most boring life anybody could ever live. I mean, I, you know, we were, we were 3.2 children. I mean, the whole thing. Uh, my dad was a good man. He was not a Christian until I was 16 years old. My mother raised us in a church. We were just, we were, we were so close to leave it to Beaver. It's just amazing. When I grew up and started meeting people that had had different backgrounds than I did, and I thought, what in the world? And the, the things they would tell me that happened in their homes and with their fathers, I went, good night. The problem is I was already a pastor by then. I couldn't get out of it. I had to, I had to try to help people go through things that I'd never experienced. But the truth is we're talking today about what it's supposed to be, not necessarily what it was. And for those of us who might have had a father who was less than, let it, let it not cause us to be bitter or angry because all that does is harm you, but let us cause us to be, to be better, to get into the right direction. And God the Father so structured the family with the Father as the leader. Now, let me just hasten to add that men and women are totally equal. Men and women have different functions, but there's no difference in equality or value of function. None. And we have to understand that, but... But the fact that there's a difference, we can't get bent out of shape. We have to understand that God ordered it this way. And that didn't mean, hey, guys, you get to be the boss. Well, if you've tried that, and it wasn't that long ago, I told you about the guy that went to the meeting and learned that the father the husband was the head of the house, and he came home and told his wife, I'm the boss, and now from now on, I want you to do what I say, when I say, and how I say it. I don't want any lip out of you. Well, he didn't see her for a couple of weeks. 
And then he could see her just a little bit out of one eye. (laughs) And if you do that, you deserve that. Because you're misunderstanding what being a father is. It's not being a boss, it's being a leader. And he structured the the family. As a matter of fact, do y'all know that God never told Eve to not partake of the fruit? Why do you think God came looking for Adam when they sinned? He didn't come looking for Eve. He came looking for Adam because he told Adam, don't take that tree right over there. Don't touch it. Eve wasn't even created yet. It was Adam's responsibility to tell his wife, hey, we're not supposed to do that. Or his responsibility to step in in that moment. But what did Adam do? He snuggled up beside his wife. And he let her be, as Paul says in Timothy, he let her be, he allowed her to be deceived. But he, Paul, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, Adam was not deceived. He purposely and intentionally partook of the fruit. And God came looking for him first because he was the leader of the family. And he did not lead. As a matter of fact, he led astray. Father and family means that we, the children, are described as a quiver full of arrows. Now, Ezra and Misty just announced a couple of weeks ago they're helping out with that. Expecting their fourth. So some of the, you know... My wife and I will make an announcement that we are not doing any more than we've done with that. We have four children, and the reason we have four children is that we didn't want five. These arrows that God, that are described are to be launched. Hear that. They're to be launched out into the world. Oh, goodness, there's so much I want to say, but I don't want to preach 50 minutes again today. Scripture says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Watch this verse. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the one, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Now, you don't have to do like Rob and Cindy. You don't have to put 12 in there. But anyway, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. We must see our offspring. We must see the product, whether, no matter how God gives them to us. We must see the product of our family as that which we are going to one day launch out into the culture. And we want to launch them loaded with kingdom values. Launched. Uh, one of the things, by the way, this is not a, let me say this up too. This is not a checklist and it's certainly not a report card for you to go home or Or, you know, go call your dad and say, boy, I tell you what, I looked at a checklist today and you messed up. You didn't do that one and you didn't do that. No, don't. Please don't do that. Especially if you're my son. (laughs) Because it all be true. Fathers communicate God. 
Everybody say that together. Fathers communicate God. I'm not saying mothers do not, but I'm saying fathers do. And even, even what we would call secular psychologists tell us that children grow up, their image of God is based on the image of their earthly father. Now, some of us went, oh my God, I need a hole to crawl in. Psalm 78 says, I will utter dark sayings, and that just means riddles, doesn't mean dark in the sense of the devil. From of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers told us. And then he says, we will not hide them from their children. And, and really, that's the Bible does this a lot, but that's really their grandchildren. But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. How shall they know God except their father tell them and show them? Okay, guys, I know you're getting quiet. Of course, the rest of that verse says, and his might and the wonders that he's done. I know you're getting quiet because you're thinking, whoa, boy, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, you can. You can do it. Let me tell you what, what there's a little thing called God's grace. God's grace. You do the best you can. And you ask God to help you. And if you'll do that, God's grace will fill in the gaps. John's writing his first letter and he says, I am writing you, fathers, because you know him who was from the beginning. Know him. This is not a knowledge about him. This is knowing him. I don't remember how recent I quoted John 17 where Jesus defines eternal life. And he defines it this way. This is eternal life that they would Know you, the Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ. That they would have a relationship with you. And so John is saying, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who was from the beginning. And it is interesting, the very first verse of that letter, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have seen and heard, is what? It's not a what, it's a who. Is the Lord Jesus. Fathers extend the character and the nature of God to their children. We want our children to at least have a glimpse of who God is. The Lord says through, through the psalmist, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. There's a similarity there. And when you and I demonstrate compassion and grace to, and mercy to our children, we are demonstrating the very character and nature of who God is. I'll get to the other part of it later on, but we're dealing with that right now. As fathers, you and I and all fathers have a formidable task of creating this atmosphere where those in our household can gain an accurate concept of God. Uh, if, if you're not scared when you got here, you're going to be when you leave, if you really understand your role. But don't be scared because of what I just said. God will help you. He will help you if you'll let him. And you, you'll say, Lord, help me. 
Like the man said, I, I believe, help my unbelief. Just ask him to help you, and he will do it. Uh, another thing we do is we impart the knowledge of God to our offspring, and that again, that's a relational term. It's not just information, but it's teaching them to know God. Jacob declared three times, the God of my father, the God of my father. And uh, while he was deceiving his father and gaining the birthright that was rightfully Esau's, he says this, because the Lord, your God, granted me success. So here's a man who understands that his father has a God. And he refers to him as your God. Now, sometimes when we're raising our children, we, we want them right now to know our God. But for a while... They're still, they're still seeing us and they're saying, your God. I mean, obviously at one point they say our God, but they really see him as their father's God. In Genesis 26, when God was talking to Isaac, he said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Abraham, your father. And in, in Genesis 28, when he's talking to Jacob, he makes this statement. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. God of Abraham and Isaac. And this is where Jacob grew up. He grew up in the household of Isaac, and he consistently was saying, the, your God, the God of my father, your God. But then he has an encounter with God. And in uh, Genesis 31, he makes this statement. He says, the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac. Now, you can check that in every version that you can find, and every one of them will say the fear of Isaac. And what does that mean? Well, it's just a reference to God. As a matter of fact, you'll notice that's capitalized fear because it's talking about God. Isaiah said, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And and really that's what that word means for fear there in that passage in, in uh, the uh, Genesis. It means dread. It means fear. Let me tell you something. I know we have a hard time with this and hard time processing it, but we need a little more fear of God. We we need a little more awe, A-W-E, of God. We need a little more dread. If If we're going to adopt a lifestyle of sin, we need to dread God's presence. Remember Peter said, I'm a man of sin, get out of here, leave me alone. He was dreading God. So anyway, I want to establish that he's talking about the God of Isaac. And then in his own encounter encounter in Genesis 31, 53, so Jacob swore by the fear, by the God of his father Isaac. Something changed. Something changed in that moment. Of course, wrestling with God and having to limp the rest of your life will maybe help with that. 
But something changed in that moment. And then when we get to Exodus 3, now the description has become, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. We want our children to grow up and one day be said, I am the God of your children. By that, and he's always been their God, but he wants them to have a relationship with him so that he can be included in the list. Are y'all okay with that? Yeah. And that's, we, we are communicating that to the little ones. Some of them not so little. Another thing about fathers is that fathers direct their households. And the fact is the scripture uses the word command, so just brace yourself. Us Western namby-pamby. Anyway, I'll leave that alone. He says, for I have chosen him, Abraham, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham and what he has spoken about him. Now, let me just say, I am not authorizing us to be abusive. I'm not saying fathers should be abusive to their children, but I want to tell you that the American household could use a little more commanding from the father. Fathers, don't try to be your kid's buddy. Be their dad. Let somebody else be their buddy. The word for command there means to give charge. It doesn't mean, hey, uh, you know, if you kind of feel like it, and if you don't mind, if you, if, if you have time in your schedule, could you go in there and pick up your, your bedroom floor? I, 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 no, I don't see the floor. There's no floor. <laughs> could you please? No. No. Come on. You go, you take your, your child into that bedroom and you say, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. This is your part of this kingdom right here. You are responsible for your part of the kingdom. Now, I expect you to take care of this little old square right here because it's your part of the kingdom. Now, you don't own it. It's my house. Oh, man, that stuff. I was watching Steve Harvey the other day. I like sitting watching YouTube where they play little clips of Ask Steve. And this lady, this lady said, well, I've got this problem with my two sons. And, and they fight all the time. They won't listen to me. And the other day I said to my 23-year-old, this is what I want you to do. And he went to his room, wouldn't listen to me, and wouldn't. And Steve, of course, you know, you know, here's Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey is standing there. And of course, it's, it's Halloween, and he's dressed up like James Brown, which makes it even funnier. <laughs> a wig on. He stands there a minute, and he says, well, now, the first thing I want to know is, what is your 23-year-old son doing with a room? He said, when I went to college... I left when I was 17 to go to college, and when I was 19, I moved into my first apartment. My daddy told me, he said, that did it. You can never come back. 
And he said, I've never been back. He said, what is your son doing with a room? And, and that's your room. It's not his. Okay. Y'all, y'all, y'all are starting to feel so sorry for my four sons. I know that. <laughs> the origin of this word is interesting. The origin of this word command, and I can't even say it, but it's just take my word for it. It's a Hebrew word. If Avi was here, he could tell us. It's a piling of rocks that are used as markers. Think about it. A piling of rocks that are used as markers. Uh, Kahim Bentora. Boy, I know that's not right. But he's a Hebrew professor. He's a, he's a Jesus worshiper. He's, he's a, a believer of Jesus Christ, but he's a Hebrew professor. As a matter of fact, I've been told that's a, that's a, uh, what do you call it when you don't use your real name? It could be an oxymoron too, Ricky, but, uh, anyway. Surname, well, it's a pseudo, it's a pseudonym, pseudonym, or something like that. He said this, it could be a command, follow the direction the rocks are pointing to, or you will get lost. It could be instruction, follow the direction the rocks indicate. It could be a recommendation, this is the best route to your destination. But either way, our responsibility as fathers is to direct. And sometimes your command is pointing them in the right direction. Command. Another part of this, I heard years ago, I heard uh, T.D. Jakes was speaking at somewhere, probably his church, and he said, and, and he said this, I didn't. He said, I want to talk to the black fathers. All you black fathers in the audience, I want to talk to you. Take your son by the shoulders, or sons, and tell them who they are. Tell them who they are. In this day and time, tell them what they are. That's your role. Identity. Because we get our identity from God the Father. And our children get their identities from their father. Why do you think that it is that every child that's ever come along at one point in their life, they are, they live and breathe to please their father. Now sometimes they grow out of it, but there's a point when they just, you know, and all of ours have done it, all of our, we've seen our grandchildren at some point. They, they look at their daddy and they want to please him so much. Because why? They get their identity from there. Direct your children in the direction of who they are. And so Abraham, when this statement is made about Abraham, this is when he's about to go rescue Lot. And it was made in the context of looking into Sodom and Gomorrah looking into that world, into that society. And God's mind, when he was saying this about Abraham, was clearly on that city, on that area, and the condition and its demise. And he realized that the lack of fatherhood in the condition of Sodom and Gomorrah was directly tied to the failure of the family. 
he recognized that what he saw in that city, Sodom and Gomorrah, was the direct result of the failure of the family. And the failure of the family in almost every case falls on the shoulders of the father. Ruth Bell Graham said years ago, years ago, if God does not judge America soon, he's going to owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. That's true. You just, you just look at where we are. Okay. Which brings us to the fun part. Fathers extend correction. Fathers extend correction. Hebrews says, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? I can tell you, a miserable, an insecure one. We had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? I enjoyed my father disciplining me. No, I didn't. Nobody would be truthful would say, well, I sure can't wait. The daddy gives me some discipline again. And in my case, it was a spanking. I know we're not supposed to say the word spank today. But in my case, it was uh, I was going to have a hard time sitting down for a few minutes. Uh, but I'm standing here today telling you I am grateful for every one of them. Every time that I was disciplined, and it wasn't always that form, especially as I got older, but every time I'm, I'm grateful. I'm not talking about beating. I'm not talking about abuse. Anyway, we have another talk about it. I'm not going to get into it. He said we had earthly fathers to discipline us. He said they disciplined us for a short time. That seemed best to them. Give, you, give your dad some, some grace. I know, I mean, I, there's times I whipped my boy. Ooh, I, ooh, I smanked my boys. Y'all going to fire me? Get over it. I'm going to sleep tonight. But there's times I, I did when I shouldn't have. There's times I did when, when I should have waited. Somebody said, you should write a book on fatherhood. I said, well, it'd be titled. There are all the mistakes I made as a father, and I hope you don't make the same ones. It'd be a long title. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. It's not pleasant. But later, everybody say later. later. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. So, you see, I'm, I'm using a lot of scripture. You know, one of the best commentary, Brother Charles likes to say, the scripture sheds a lot of light on the commentaries. <laughs> uh, sometimes I just like to let the scripture talk. I mean, I can't sometimes, well, not sometimes, I can never say it better than the scripture says. I can expound on the scripture, but when the, when Proverbs says, correct your son and he will give you rest, I can't say that any better. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Because where there is no revelation, some versions say vision, people cast off restraint. Happy is he who keeps the law. Did you realize that verse is in the context of child raising? (laughs) 
when they cast off restraint, when they say, forget you, I don't want to do what you say anymore. That's a, that's a painful moment. And when they cast off restraint, scripture says, happy is he who keeps the law. In other words, happy is he who behaves. Now, I, I want to hasten to add, I'm talking about correction and not just, not just punishment. When, when your child is misbehaving, don't just think of punishment. Now, punishment is part of it, but the punishment is, is intended to cause correction. Correction means you're going the wrong way, and now you're going the right way. When I was going the wrong way, my daddy explained things to me. And then I, whether I liked it or not, I went the right way. Until the next time, I went the wrong way. And hopefully, we learn over a period of time, hey, uh, I might, if I forgot this thing figured out, the wrong way, bad. The right way, good. <laughs> Fathers are also releasers. We launch our arrows and we release our offspring into adulthood. Now, ladies, don't be mad with me, but sometimes this is harder for mothers than it is for fathers. Although I've known of a few mothers that's been, when the kid's going off to college, they've been in the bedroom measuring for what they're going to put in there next. <laughs> but sometimes it's harder for mothers to let go and let that kid get out of here and become an adult. And it's hard on all of us, but fathers, we got to release them. If we don't release them into adulthood, what in the world? I mean, it's not about us. I hate to break this to you, fathers. Yeah, I know it's going to be real, real news to you. This whole thing we're talking about today, it's not about you. It's not about your enjoyment necessarily, although we enjoy our children most of the time. But it's about God and their relationship with God. And their contribution to our world. Fathers are restorers. We don't spend a lot of time here, but you remember the father and the prodigal son? The prodigal son came back. The father in that moment could have said, forget you. You got your stuff. You left. You're on your own. Forget about it. But the father, and I've always said this, that the father was sitting on that front porch of that house looking over the top of that mailbox for hours watching for that son to come home. And what did he do? He restored him. He gave him the robe, the ring, the shoes, and restoration. Sometimes that's necessary. I'll finish up with some practical suggestions. First of all, men, husbands, fathers, don't put your own interest above that of your wife. Abraham said, hey, they want to kill me. So how about you pretend to be my sister? That wasn't for Sarah. That was for him. And he justified it because they were half-brother and half-sister. They were related, but it was also deception. The best thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. You say, I'm not married to their mother. Well, there's, there's a thing called agape. And we are supposed to offer agape to all of everybody, and especially the children of your mother. And for God's sake, don't say negative things about the other parent. 
now that's within or without the marriage. But especially those of you who aren't married to your your the mother of your children, for God's sake, do not say negative things about that their mother to them. Hmm. Be the one who takes the responsibility. Be the leader. If your child's going to be mad at someone, let it be you. Be the heavy. Be the one. Just If they're going to be mad, let them be mad at you. Direct your household. Don't sit back. Be sacrificial. You might have figured this out already, but being a father, for that matter, being a mother, is sacrificial. And there's no way around it. If you're not sacrificial, then you're not doing what the way God wants you to do it. And another thing is avoid absenteeism. An absentee father sometimes can be just as bad or worse than an abusive father. You say, well, I don't see that. Well, if the father is there, sometimes they're going to get something, even if they have sometimes that's not so great. But if daddy's not there at all, now, I understand there are situations that get so abusive that he don't need to be there. He needs to be in jail. I get that. But I'm talking about just normal, everyday stuff. One of the times that I got probably in the worst situation was when I had it in my head that I needed to work all the time, day and night, to support my family, which was an honorable thing to do. But I'd worked all day and all night. And I did it for a while. And, boy, did we get in a mess. I'm telling you, a little less money is okay if you're going to be still be a father. We'll, we'll go to spiritual fathers real quick because there are those who don't, who, who don't have fathers or they have no relationship with their father, and they need spiritual fathers. They need spiritual mothers. We covered that on Mother's Day, but they need spiritual fathers. Paul said, if you, if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers, for in the Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. He's writing to the church of Corinth, and he became a spiritual father. You say, I don't have a good relationship with my father. I don't, I, I, I don't, I, he may, you know, he might not be a Christian. I don't know, but then find somebody that you know God would do something through and join yourself to them and say, hey, be my mentor, be my spiritual father, whatever terminology you want to use. Paul found a young man named Timothy. Timothy's dad was not a believer. He was Greek, but his mother and his grandmother were, and they brought him up in the Lord. But Paul found this young man and took him under his wing, took him under his arm, and became his spiritual father. And they traveled together. Paul Paul refers to Timothy in First Timothy, he refers to, to Timothy, my true child in the faith. And then in Second Timothy, he refers to Timothy, my beloved son. My beloved son. And then we really will close here. Children, understand that a wise son makes a father glad. Father glad, good thing. Father not glad. Not so good. A wise son accepts his father's discipline, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. And then finally, listen to your father who begot you.
children. We're talking to children. Let me just tell you, all of us, let me finish with this verse, honor your father and mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with you on, on the land which the Lord your God gives you. And I'll start to say, all of us can and should honor our father and our mother regardless of our age, regardless of their age, and regardless of whether or not they're still on the earth. We should honor. The word honor is a word that means to give substance and weightiness to. Uh, And you say, well, my parents weren't perfect. Well, when you find some, then you let me know. But until then, God did not say honor your father and your mother if they're perfect or if they do everything right or if they satisfy you. He just said honor your father and your mother. And if you'll do this, you'll live a long time and you'll live a good life in the land, which obviously the opposite is true. Honor your father and your mother. May we, the church, may we, the kingdom of God and the constituents of God's kingdom, may we set the tone for godly fatherhood and the effect of godly fatherhood on the children. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand, Stand with me.